This is Sunday night worship service here at the Pine Lake Pentecostal Women's Church, April the 9th, 2022. Pastor Farrell Hardison bringing the message tonight, How to Establish Right Priorities. We'll start off with the praise team here at the Pine Lake Pentecostal Women's Church. <laughs> service this morning, good, good service uh, today, this morning, and I'm telling you, I was telling Brother David before service tonight, I said, I looked over there, I said, um, I tell you, that Thomas Vick nailed that song during the offering this morning, didn't he? And then I said to David, you know, that is a sentence that has never been said with my name in it. Nobody's ever said Pharaoh nailed that song. Nobody's ever said that. Oh, thank you. It has been said now. Don't make it true, but it has been said. Amen. Amen. All right. So glad y'all are here. Y'all, I'm enjoying this cool weather, enjoying these cooler nights and I really am. And those of you who love the heat, the altar will be open at the end of the service. We'll be glad to pray for you. We've, I'm not going to say who, but some are real close to me tonight who, who love. I ain't pointing to nobody. Some people really love. <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all, something wrong with y'all. I don't know what it is. Amen. Amen. A lot of announcements, and they're in the bulletin. And if you don't read your bulletin, you're not going to know what's going on. So make sure you read your bulletin. Get one if you don't have it. Take it home with you. Put it where I put mine, right on the refrigerator door. You'll see it 45 times a day. About how many times I walk to the refrigerator during the course of a day. <clears throat> We're going to talk tonight about how to establish right priorities in our life. I told you this morning, I'll say it again tonight, there's one thing you can do that will put all the other priorities in your life in the right place. 
And you probably already know what that is, but I'm not going to say it yet. We'll talk about it in just a little bit. I want to talk to you tonight before I get into the message about a, um, a theological term or a term that um, um, would be used primarily among preachers and teachers of the Bible, and it is the word expository expository preaching and uh, some of you um, might have noticed that about the way I preach I didn't always preach that way as a matter of fact when I was your pastor a long time ago uh, I, I was not an expository preacher I did occasionally preach that way but it's just about all I do now is preach expository and here's all that that means is to take a passage in the Bible or a book in the Bible or a chapter in the Bible and go verse by verse. Now here's why I believe that's the best way. Now, I'm not saying it's the only way and I'm not saying there are other ways that, that are okay to do it. I'm just saying the best way to teach the Bible is verse by verse. I will tell you this, you can make the Bible say anything you want it to say if you're going to jump around all over the Bible. At the same time, I've heard great preachers preach topical sermons, like a preacher would say, like I did recently, I'm going to preach on discouragement, and then he went to the Bible and went to several places in the Bible, like I did, that shows people who are discouraged and how to deal with discouragement and all of that. But even in those times that I preach like that, you'll notice I deal not with just a piece of a verse or a verse, but I'll deal with several verses, like with Moses and with, um, with Jonah and Elijah. We looked at passages, not just one verse. The reason that that's important is because you will, you will not get the right meaning of that scripture if you don't know what was going on around that scripture. You with me? I'm going to show you a verse tonight that is just like that. I'll show you a verse that, that's it's very, very easy to take a verse out of context if you don't know what he said before it and what he said after it. So that's why I do primarily expository preaching. I've got a lot of things. I don't know how long y'all were planning on having me around here, <clears throat> but I've got a lot of things written down that I hope one day to preach while I'm here. And I, I want to preach through the book of Jonah. I, I mean, the book of uh, Jonah is a good one, but uh, uh, the book of Joshua. I want to preach through that book. That's a wonderful, wonderful book of the Bible. And actually, that book could be a whole series of movies or TV shows. It's, it's that exciting, it's that amazing, uh, is the book of Joshua. Powerful, powerful uh, book in the Bible. I, I think I told you all this not long ago. The name Joshua and the name Jesus mean the same thing. They have the same meaning. Old Testament name and the New Testament name have the same meaning. And we would get into that in that, in that study Another, another uh, sermon series that I've done a long, long time ago but have worked on since then and want to preach it again is the 23rd Psalm. You can take the 23rd Psalm and make a sermon out of each verse in that Psalm. There's a lot of stuff in that verse <clears throat> now or in that chapter. Um, uh, I heard a story one time about a man that came to, a, a, or a circus came to town, and there was a strong, strong man in that circus, and he would get up and, and uh, he would take a lemon, and he would squeeze that lemon as hard as he could, and he had bulging muscles, a lot, lot like me, great big, oh, bulging muscles. And he would squeeze that lemon until he couldn't squeeze another drop out of it. And I like preaching like that. I like preachers and teachers who, who don't just uh, surface over something, but squeeze the juice out of it. Amen? 
and they asked the audience, they said, now, if anybody can squeeze another drop out of this, out of this lemon, um, then, then we'll give you $100. And a little old fella in the back, little old bitty fella, skinny fella, he said, I, I can get some more out of it. And they said, and everybody laughing, you know, chuckling. They said, come on up here, bud. And sure enough, he went up there, about like Barney Fife, you know, looked about like Barney. He took that lemon and he grunted and he squeezed and one, two, three, four, ten, twenty, five more drops come out of it. And they said, what in the world? They said, who are you? And he said, I'm the treasurer of the Pine Level Pentecostal Holiness Church. <laughs> And I can get money out of it. I can get money. <laughs> hey, brother. Hey, brother. Mac, we better know how to squeeze the lemon sometimes, hadn't we? Uh, I saved that just for you. I waited till you on the second row from the front before I told it. But I do. I like preaching like that. I'll tell you, Brother Mac teaches like that on Wednesday night. Uh, I know we may have had some of y'all who were back here a year ago and he was preaching on John and maybe you slipped back in here the other Wednesday night and said, he's still on John. He's squeezing the juice. And I sit right here on Wednesday nights and listen to him and I'm telling you, it's good. It's good stuff. I will tell you, I'll tell you this. There are many churches that have teachers in it like Brother Mac. This church is blessed. You're blessed to have him. Uh, you're blessed to have him. Amen. Amen. Mac, I wanted to know when we're going to have Church Treasure Appreciation Day. He was wondering about that. And I, Brother Mac, that was it. You just had it, right? <laughs> when everybody clapped, that was it, bro. <laughs> but uh, I do thank God for him. And he and I, he and I, uh, we, we were friends before. But we've become much, much uh, better, deeper friends. And, and I love Brother Mac. I trust him and uh, thank the Lord for him. And I'll tell you one thing. He will, he will go to war for this church and, and for you people. He loves you. He loves you. But I wanted to pick on him tonight. And I knew if I did, I was going to need to say that good stuff, you know, right after I picked on him. But... Uh, but that's why I like to teach that way and preach that way. And, and we're going to do it tonight. And, uh, and, and you're probably going to say, well, how long are we going to squeeze the lemon? <laughs> well, well, we'll just squeeze it a little while. And then we'll come back and squeeze some more later. How about that? But I'm, I'm in the book of Matthew tonight. And there's, you talk about a, a chapter in the Bible that you could preach on for a year. I mean a chapter, not a book. There is so much in chapter 6. And we're going to deal with just a little bit of it. And to be honest with you, I'm not going to get very deep in this at all. I hope to show you some things in this that are fresh to you and new to you and will bless you. Um, um, you might have been in the church so long and listened to so much good teaching and preaching through the years that you don't really hear anything new for the first time anymore. But I, I like it when something I hadn't thought about in a long time, a preacher brings it back up and I remember it, amen? And, and it becomes fresh to me again. The Word of God's always new. It's always fresh. The Word of God's alive. It's like no other book, no other book. You can read Psalm 23 a year ago and get one thing you needed out of it, and you can go back to that same Psalm tonight and get another thing you need out of that same Psalm. The Word of God is like no other book. It is alive. It is a living document. And when you read it and you study it and you listen to it be taught the way it ought to be, uh, you're going to gain life from that. You're going to get life from that Word. And um, so we're going to do that tonight. And, and, and remember again what we're talking about is our priorities, how to get those lined up in our life know what we ought to put first, second, and third. I've always said when it comes to priorities, and I think this is true. Um, it's true especially for ministers. I think the reason I remember it this way so much is because used to, when you were, when you were a pastor, it was God, the church, and then your family. I think that's wrong. 
If I, don't, if I get y'all, all y'all saved and my family is lost, then I've not done my job. I think it's, when it comes to pastors, really anybody, I think it's God first, family, and then church. You say, well, that puts church down, down there in the third place. I understand that. But see, if you're right with God, if he's priority, your church life will be all right. Amen? But I do know, I do know good men of God, good women of God, who put the church and ministry above their family, and their family suffered for it. So it's the responsibility of the leader of the home, and, and that in the ideal situation, of course, the Bible tells us that the man is to be the spiritual leader in his house. But we live in a time, and always really, it's been the case where women have had to step up and be that leader of the house spiritually when the man did not, um, when he did not assume his God-given role of leader-servant or servant-leader of his house. Uh, every man, every man, every male man should say what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know what you're going to do. I can't speak for you, Joshua said. I, I can't speak for your house, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you'll struggle with that. You'll have children sometimes that don't want to do that. Of course, that's the most likely thing. I have seen situations where uh, the spouse would not do that. I will tell you that most of the time it is the woman who is often the more spiritually minded one in the family, and that is simply because women think with their hearts, so they're more sensitive to spiritual things, where, where men think with, their, with facts. You know, they want to know what the facts are. Women feel things, so a lot of times they're more sensitive to the things of God and to the things of the Spirit. But I want to say to you men tonight, you can be a man's man and be sensitive to the Holy Ghost of God. You can be a masculine man, you can be a John Wayne Christian, because he's about the most masculine man I remember, and you can be sensitive to the things of God, amen? And we've got good men in this church. One of the things I do appreciate about our church is we have good men of God. Uh, I've not done a count, but I guess we did a count. We might, the ladies might outnumber us some, but, but really, uh, you, you folks here at Pine Level are blessed that you have men of God that are, have strong faith in God and strong faith in the Word of God and in the things of God and in the, the behavior that God would approve of. This church has good men of God in it. And I, I just want to compliment you for that. And I haven't been here long enough to take credit for that. But in about a year, I'm going to start taking credit for that. So, but not yet. <clears throat> it's not time yet. All right, Matthew chapter 6. You ready? Say amen. amen. Verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, and this is Jesus talking, take no thought. That's a King James Version way of saying stop worrying. Don't worry, take no thought. That don't mean, it don't mean not to think. But it means don't worry, don't worry. Worry is a sin. I worry. Here's why worry is a sin. Worry is a sin because it's the opposite of faith. Now, do not go out of here beating yourself up because you worry. What you want to do is you want to let God work on that in your life. And I'm there. That's where I'm at. God's working on that in my life. I'm a worrier. My mama was a worrier. My daddy was a worrier. And I'm a worrier. But I thank the Lord that I'm not where I used to be. I'm, I've done better in that area. And I'm able to, I'm able to lay down my head at night. Uh, not 100% of the time. But most of the time, I'm able to lay down my head on the pillow at night and, and set that aside and, and rest in the Lord. And I thank the Lord for that. But, but 
Look what Jesus says. Stop worrying for your life. Now I'm reading out the King James Version. Stop worrying for your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or yet for your body, what you will put on. He says, stop worrying about what you will eat, what you will drink, and what you will wear. Stop worrying about that. He said, don't do it. Is not the life more than meat, more than eating? For some, it might not be much more than that, but, but it's supposed to be a lot more than that. Is not the life more than meat and the body? Is not life more than raiment or clothing that we wear? i got to tell you, in the world today, there's not much more than that right there, is there? That is where the focus is. It's on the, foc the focus is on the, the appearance it's on the body, the appearance. It's on, it's on the, the food, having plenty of food and, and having it on hand and all of that and having the kind of food you want and, and all of that. Look at verse 25. He says, Behold the birds. Behold the fowl of the air. He said, let me give you, Jesus is saying right here, let me give you an example. Behold the fowl of the air. They sow not. They, he said they're not farmers. They don't go out and plant seeds in the ground. He said neither do they reap. He said they don't put the seeds in the ground. Then go back a little later and harvest those seeds. Nor do they gather them into barns and have seeds in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Is this hard to understand? No. It's very clear. He says, now if God will do that for a bird, he loves you way more than he loves the bird. Matter of fact, when the Lord made everything, he made it perfect. And then he said, now. Now that I've made the sky, Carolina blue, and, and the clouds and the beautiful Ocean, deep blue. And I've made the green grass, and I've made the beautiful trees, and the mountains. And how many of you love to go to the mountains this time of year? God just made it all. And made it all. And He hadn't made a, a human yet. He said, Now that I've got everything perfect, I'm going to make my most prized creation. I'm going to make the creation I will love above all of the things I created. I'm going to make something that not only will I love, but I'm going to give that thing that I make the capacity to love me. And you know what, boys and girls? He made us. He made us. Isn't that something? He made us and put us on this earth. And the Bible says here that God in his creation created uh, all this for the birds. He said, now if the Lord will do that for the birds, what will he do for you? What will he do for you? Jesus said that on another occasion in the Bible. I think I've already mentioned it in my preaching when he was uh, asking the uh, uh, fathers there. He said, if, you know, if your father asked for, a, if your son rather ask for a stone would you give him a scorpion because or an egg if you if you ask for an egg would you give him a scorpion because when a scorpion curls up he looks like an egg he said you wouldn't treat your son that way and then he went through all these th other things if you ask for bread would you give him a stone if he asked for fish would you give him a serpent and then and then Jesus said no you wouldn't treat your son like that and then he said how much more does your father in heaven love you he just wants us to know he just reemphasizes he says it over and over and over and over i love you i love you i love you i love you he loves us more than we could ever imagine more than we could ever know let me say something to you there is nothing you can do to make God love you less than he loves you right now. You could leave here and commit a crime. You could go home and do some horrible thing. 
you do the most horrible thing you can think of, God would not love you one bit less. You can't make God love you less. But I want to tell you this. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any more than he loves you right now either because his love isn't based on what you do right or what you do wrong. His love is unconditional. Do you understand me? A lot of people can't grasp that truth. You can't make God love you less than he loves you. You can't make God love you more than he loves you. Why? Because God's love is perfect. And it's always perfect. And it can't be anything else but perfect. And if God's love was up and down based on the way me and you behaved, we would be in some big trouble tonight. Amen? You can't make him love you less. You can't make him love you more. There's people sitting right here right now. I know that through your life, you have wondered how much. You, maybe you haven't wondered if God loves you or not, but you've wondered if he likes you. You wonder if God likes you. Well, he likes you. He may not like your behavior, but that's not going to change his love for you. His love is the same. Amen, amen, amen. And, and so that's what he's emphasizing here in verse 26. He says, if the birds will do all that, look what the, look what the uh, God will do for you. Now, I think I mentioned this one night in an altar service, but I want to say this to you too. Um, they tell me that Bill Gates is one of the richest men in the world. Last number I had on him, what he owned was 60 billion, about 60 billion dollars. Now, a billion is a thousand millions. That's how much a billion is. And he is worth about 60 billion. Now, that, that number's several, at least months old. He, he may be worth a whole lot more than that now. But um, do you know that if Bill Gates had to feed all the birds of the earth one day, he couldn't do it. Sixty billion dollars won't feed all the birds of the earth for even one day. And our God feeds them every single day. Every single day, our God feeds the birds of the earth. So when you call upon him, you don't have to ever wonder if the well might be dry that day. The well's never dry. God's well is always full. And he delights in blessing you. He delights in helping you. He delights in providing for you. So he does that for the birds, how much more he would do for you. Now look at verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, taking thought, that's what that means, can add one cubit to his statue? So if you want to be a little bit taller and you worried about that a whole lot, you're going to be the same size no matter how much you worry about it. Now really here when you look at this verse, I discovered that probably what Jesus is talking about there is more not the size or, or, or height of a person, but the uh, amount of time that a person might want to add to their time or add to time in some way by worrying about it. And, and the writer here is just saying, uh, of course, Matthew is saying, no, no, your worry is not going to add anything to it. Look at the next verse. So he talks about clothes next. He says, and why take ye thought, or why do you worry for raiment or clothing? Why do you worry about that? He said, now, like the birds, consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they toil not, like the bird don't farm, he don't plant and harvest. The, 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 the lily of the field, he doesn't toil, neither do they spin. In other words, they don't make their own clothing, verse 9. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, the richest man, probably definitely in his time who ever lived and one of the richest men of all time who ever lived of course the son of King David uh, that even Solomon in his highest point of wealth in all of his glory 
and all of his majestic dress as the king and all of the things the king wore never was arrayed like one of the lilies. Isn't that beautiful? He said never was it arrayed or dressed as fine or Solomon was never dressed as fine as the lilies of the field. Look at verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, if he will grow, if he will clothe the weeds, if he will clothe the, the things in your flower garden, if he will clothe them. And, and let me just pause here. Is there anything much prettier than a beautiful flower? A beautiful flower. Now, if Miss Millie was here, she'd be shouting amen because that's her wheelhouse. She loves the plants and the flowers and, and uh, all of that. And, and I mean, when I, I look at pictures, I'll see pictures. Somebody put something on Facebook, and I wonder if it's even real. So many different colors in one flower. So many, and so many different forms. The Bible says here, these flowers... Solomon never looked that good. He's saying Solomon was never dressed that nice, that beautiful as the flowers of the field. He says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, in other words, it existed today and it's there, but tomorrow, because the seasons come and those flowers turn brown, don't they? And we're coming into that season now. We'll tell y'all, that's one thing I don't like about getting cold. But, but uh, it's not as pretty. But he says, uh, these flowers will, he said, they will be cast into the oven. In other words, uh, uh, the field will be burnt off or, or they might be harvested or they might be cut down. You know, I don't know what y'all do. I mow the grass and I've got a little bag on the back of my push mower. Amen. I push my grass. I won't tell y'all that right now. Y'all wonder if I work? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. If I can't get Millie out there, I, I mow it. No, she, Millie's never mowed the grass. But I, 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 I like to push. I, I always did that as a boy, and I like to push. And to be honest with you, it's about the only exercise I get, Larry. But I, I push, and then I'll take that basket uh, uh, on the back of it, and it's got the grass in it, and I go out by the side of the road, and I dump it out there in the and, and all that beautiful grass that I fertilized and watered and tried to make it pretty, I just, I just mow it down, dump it beside the road, and they come get it and haul it off. That's what he's talking about right here. That's what he's saying. He's saying these beautiful things will be cast into the oven. He said, if, if the Lord can do that, shall he not much more clothe you? He's going to clothe you. So he says he's going to feed you. He's going to clothe you, O ye of little faith. Look at verse 31. Therefore, since that's true, that's what therefore means, since that's true, what I just said, stop worrying. Stop worrying and saying, what am I going to eat? And that doesn't mean we don't think about what we're going to eat. What it means is we're not we're not scared that we're going to starve. Uh, we're, not, we're not living in, in some kind of emotional, frantic bondage because we don't know where we're going to get the next meal from. Now, there are probably people who do live pretty close to that in this world, no doubt. But we don't. We don't. What shall we eat? He said, and stop saying, what, what, what will I drink? Am I going to have anything to drink? And, and, and wherewithal shall I be clothed? How, how am, I going, am I going to have something to wear tomorrow? Look what he says in verse 32. He says, for after these things do the Gentiles. Now that means in the context that we understand it. Y'all know what a Gentile is. It's anybody who's not a Jew, basically. He says, he says but to us, but to us, what it would mean in our context today is it would mean unbelievers, people of the world. So let's read it that way. He says, verse 32, he said, Now these are things that the unbelievers worry about. They Unbelievers worry because they don't know the Lord. Unbelievers worry because they don't have the Lord. 
He said, but you who love the Lord and have the Lord and serve the Lord and the Lord's in your life, he said, you ought not be worrying about these things. For, look out, look what it says. For your heavenly Father knows that ye have need of these things. He knows. And here's the verse. Verse 33. This is it. So what am I to do then, Lord? The Lord says, have enough faith in me that above all things you seek my kingdom. Look what it says. But seek ye first. When? First on top, number one. First priority, make this your first priority, is the advancement. Of the kingdom of God in this world. What is that? What is the advancement of the kingdom of God? Getting people saved. Getting people born again. Getting the gospel of the cross and the resurrected Savior. Getting that to people that they might hear it and believe it. And be born again and be added to the kingdom of God in this world. Let me tell you what the kingdom of God in this world is. It's us. We're the kingdom of God in this world. The saved people. We're the kingdom of God. And our number one priority as a church and as an individual believer is that the kingdom advance more than I advance, more than my career advances. Here's when we start having problems. Here's when we start getting nervous. God says, put it above everything. Put the advancement of my kingdom above everything. Put it above everything and trust me. Put me first and trust me. Put my kingdom first and trust me. Look what he said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Have you ever seen a day when we need the righteousness of God more than we need it right now in this rotten world we live in? Seek the kingdom of God in this world. Pray, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. That is what we are to pray. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And the Lord gave them a model prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? We are to get as many people saved as fast as we can. That would, that would uh, uh, qualify us as seeking the kingdom of God first as a church. Now look. This may sound good, and you might be thinking, amen, amen. But I'm telling you, this right here, if we really practiced this, we'd have to change some things. Now, I know y'all are ready now for me to list those things. We'd have to change. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let the Lord do that. But I'm just telling you, is everything we do about the kingdom of God? We've got to run everything we do, all the things we're busy doing. Is it about the kingdom? Is it about the kingdom? And I think sometimes what we're doing it wrong, but to say it's about the kingdom, it's a real stretch sometimes. And look, I'm not picking on you. It's been that way in other churches I've pastored too. It's never perfect. You're always striving to be kingdom first. But he said, if you will seek my kingdom above all the other things and my righteousness in this rotten world and in your personal life, then all these things, what things? What I wear. That's what he's talking about. All these things, what things? Food. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? He says, if you will put me first, all those things will just be what? Added unto you. They'll just be added unto you. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, and I'm not, I'm not putting my finger at you all in particular, but just generally in the church world and in the world today, uh, our thought is, oh, oh, we're worried about this, we're worried about that, and we're worried about this. He said, put me first. I'm just telling you what he said. 
You say, what about you, Brother Farrell? I'm working on it too. I'm working on it just like y'all are. I haven't got this thing mastered. I'm working on it too, but I'll tell you one thing. I love studying it over and over and over again because it convicts me every single time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So from now on, anytime y'all ask me about something the church is going to do, I'm going to say, is it the kingdom of God? Is that all right if I say that? I'm just going to, I'm not going to say that to you, but I want you to think about that. I want my leaders to think about that. Is this energy we're expending? Is this money we're spending? Is it about souls? Is it about the kingdom of God? Is it about the people? What if we just took a rope that was five miles long or not even that long, just say two miles, and we put a rope and tied it to the top of the church and just took that two-mile rope all the way around? wonder how many lost people would be in that circle. Kingdom, kingdom. Think about the kingdom, advancing the kingdom of God. When I preach here at the church and I say, Jesus is coming soon, every one of y'all say, Amen, Hallelujah, Glory to God. I hear that. Well, I'm telling you, if we really believe that, we need to win lost souls because they're not ready. Amen, Amen. We ought to weep. We ought to weep for the lost. The Bible says last Sunday night, you remember? The Bible says Jesus looked on Jerusalem and he knew they had rejected him. And the Bible says Jesus wept. Because the kingdom, they did not have the kingdom first. Matter of fact, they didn't even think he was the Messiah. They wanted a king to come, not a baby in a manger. That's the last thing they wanted. They wanted a king. So they didn't receive Jesus. That's why they hung him on a cross. They didn't believe he was who he said he was. And, and they weren't about the kingdom. They thought the kingdom was coming. And it is coming. But the kingdom of God is coming. Some of the kingdoms up there and some of the kingdoms down here. It won't be too long, boys and girls, before the whole kingdom's down here and there won't be a sinner down here. Amen. There won't be a devil either because he'll be bound a thousand years. Y'all with me? Who's looking forward to that thousand years? He'll be bound a thousand years and we'll have no tempter then. For our Savior shall come back to earth again. Do y'all remember that song? I can sing. I can sing. Come on. Hey, give me an amen back there, uh, Thomas. Amen. Amen. He's coming again. Thousand year millennial reign. That's when the kingdom has come. Right now we're praying to expand the kingdom down here. And that the kingdom of God will come. We pray thy kingdom come. Jesus told us to pray thy kingdom come. When you pray thy kingdom come, you're praying for the Lord to come back. We want the Lord to come back, but boy, do we have a work to do before he does. Amen? Amen. So write letters. Write letters to people you know who are lost. And don't get on their case, but tell them what the Lord's done for you and you know, Christmas is coming up, and some people write those Christmas letters. Why don't you, if you got saved, uh, and you haven't wrote a letter to your family about it, write them and tell them, I, I got saved, and I just want to tell you what the Lord's done for me. And Don't get on their case. Don't tell them what they need to do. Just tell them what the Lord's done for you. That'd be a wonderful thing to do at Christmas time. Uh, Farrell, are you making a note of that? Yes, I am. <clears throat> I'm making a note of that. So let me just conclude right here. So if I put God first, all those things, food, raiment, water, what I drink, all those things I worry every day about, the things of the world that I worry about, he says all those things will be added to you. In other words, whatever need you have, I'll, I'll meet it. Look at verse 34. So then, verse 34 could begin with this word, so then, therefore, take therefore no thought, Stop worrying about the morrow, King James, for tomorrow. Stop worrying about tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. In other words, stop worrying about what could happen, because you've got enough real stuff happening right now that's all you can handle. See, here's what worry is. Now listen to me now. 
Worry is when you already have on you all you can handle with the true cares of the world. But worry is when you go and reach into tomorrow and bring it into today and pile it on you too. God says that's a sin. God said don't do that. He says it right here. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow isn't even here yet. It may not even come. For the morrow will take thought of the things of itself. And then it says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, the day you're in's got enough trouble. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. Y'all with me? The Bible says you have a frame. It's in the book of Psalms. I should have wrote it down. But it says you have a frame and that frame can only bear so much. The human body, the human mind can only bear so much. And really it's at the limit with the cares of the world that are real right now. When you worry, you reach into tomorrow. And I told y'all I'm a worrier, so I'm, I do it. You reach into tomorrow and say, well, that could happen, that could happen, and that could happen, that could happen. I better bring all that in here to today because I know if I'll go and worry about it, it'll fix everything. Worrying doesn't fix anything. Remember what he said? Don't add one cubit. Worry does not do a thing for you. And he says today has the actual enough problems. So what is the, what is the bottom line of how to get my priorities in order? If I put the kingdom first, which is to put God and his will first, then all the other things in my life automatically line up when he's at the top. Are y'all with me? So just keep giving yourself that little personal exam. Lord, am I making you first in my life today? When you get up in the morning, just say, Lord, help me make you first in my life today. Now look, you're going to mess up that day. You're going to worry that day. You're going to have things. But every day you get a little better. Every day you get a little stronger because you've got it in your mind and it's a prayer upon your lips. Lord, help me to put your kingdom first today. I mean, that would be a good thing to have on your mirror in the morning when you get ready. Uh, when you're blow-drying your hair, James, only in the morning. Just uh, see that up there. It says, says uh, uh, I've got to put God's kingdom first today. And, and do that. Now let me give you one more verse and then I'm done. Let me give you one more verse. Psalm 37, 4. Now this is a verse that's taken out of context all the time. And I hear TV preachers and those name it, claim it guys that say you're never supposed to be sick and you're always, everybody's supposed to have a million dollars in the bank. Now if you believe that stuff, you probably ain't going to like my preaching because I don't believe it. I don't believe it because the Bible don't say it. Now, I do believe God will heal you, and I do believe God chooses to bless somebody in a, a great way financially, and I leave all that up to God. And, and I've told God before, I've said, Lord, I, I need you to meet my needs, but Lord, if you give me more than I need, I might get prideful. Amen? And I, might, I might get off track. So, Lord, you, you give me what I can handle and what won't make me prideful. And sometimes I feel like he's giving me a little less than I could handle. <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, it, that's not everything, is it? But look what this verse says, Psalm 37, 4. Now here's the part, here's the part they always quote. He will give you the desires of your heart. I mean, man, the Lord, what if I just told y'all, let's come to the altar. I've got a promise from God's word. He will give you the desires of your heart. Any desire, you come on up here and God's going to do I believe I could pack the church tonight if I'd preach like that. And I believe people would line up to get healed and they'd line up. And, and uh, one, preacher, one preacher told, uh, or I heard about a preacher that... Uh, uh, his folks, uh, while he's preaching, they just he preaches on if you give more, you get more, and all of that. And I understand sowing and reaping, but I think that's preached and taught out of context a lot of times. And they said people just get up while he's preaching, just bring money and lay it on the altar. Well, I, you know, fine, I guess. But my Bible don't say 
the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. It says it, but that ain't all it says. What does it say at the beginning? So, just like Jesus in Matthew 6, first, first, what did he say in Matthew 6? First, the kingdom of God. What's he saying here? Same thing. Same thing. First, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now, if you find your delight in the Lord, you will want what He wants for you. You will want what He wants for you. Now, left on our own, I want more money. Left on our own, I want a bigger house, a newer house. Left on our own, I want a bigger, nicer car. Left on my own, there's a lot of things I want. But when I first get right with the Lord and my delight is not in this world, but my delight is in the Lord, I get to not caring about any of those things. I want when I wasn't right with the Lord. Are you all with me? I don't care about those things anymore because my delight on it's not in those things anymore. My delight's in the Lord. It's in the Lord. So I want to see people saved and, and I want to see ministry happen and I want to see lives change because my delight is in Him. It's not in what I get or don't get. And, and, and that's a process. That's a process. God's always working on you in that area and you can get real close to God in that area and then over time things can happen and you might get further away so you fight some battles over again and you get back with the Lord in that intimate place, that close place where you were before. It's always a, it's always a struggle. It's always hills and valleys. You know, I've seen that diagram on Facebook where my plan for my life is a straight line and level ground. But God's plan, have y'all seen that? God's plan is like this. And God's plan for you is like this. You're going to have mountains to climb. You're going to have um, mountaintops to enjoy. And you're going to have valleys that you're going to go through. But if God is first, if your delight is in the Lord, if you seek above all things the advancement of the kingdom of God, God says if you'll do that, you won't have to worry. I'll meet your needs. Amen. Did y'all get anything out of this? Amen. Amen. So listen, when that old worry demon gets on you and, and uh, just has you, and, and, and I, I get like that sometimes, you know, I, can't sleep and I roll and tumble and and all of that and and I'm worried and and concerned and and uh, and I haven't given it to the Lord and I just get all flustered and and I'm just like everybody else I'm just like y'all are I'm I'm worse than a lot of you I I have the same battles you have but I have to remind myself Pharaoh Jesus said put him first Delight in Him, and He will meet my needs. He will give me the desires of my heart. And if I'm where I ought to be with God, the desires I have will be the desires He has for me. Amen? Amen. Let's come to the altar and bring this word in us that we have heard taught in the church tonight. And let's pray it in. Let's pray it in. Let's pray it in. Let's pray it in us. Just, just say, Lord, let this word, let this word, let it get in Pastor Farrell. Let it get in him. Let it get down in his joints, in his body, in his mind. I want it to get all inside of me, Lord. I want to not just talk about it. I want to practice it. I want to live it. I want to walk it out in my life. Are we seeking the kingdom of God? And then he said, and my righteousness. And my righteousness. The purity of God. The holiness of God. Desiring the righteousness of God. Praying for the holiness of God. You say, preacher, I just don't even know what to pray about this old world sometimes. Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord, 
We pray that your presence will bring your righteousness in this world and your holiness in this world. And we pray that the revelation of your truth through the Holy Spirit and through teachers and preachers will show this world what is right and what is good and what is good God's will. And that as people see it, they will be convicted in their hearts and they will turn to you. That's how we pray. That's how we pray. We want your righteousness, God. We want your righteousness. Let it begin in me. Let it begin in my heart. Let your holiness and your purity first be in me. And let it be seen in me. Let it be in the way I talk. And let it be in the way I react. Because sometimes I don't react the way I ought to react. And and God, I want your holiness, your presence, your power in my life. I want it to. I want it to be first. I want you to be first. I want want my chief concern to be the kingdom of God in this world. The righteousness of God in this world. Lord Jesus, come on church. Lord Jesus, I want the delight of my heart. I want to delight in the things of God. I want to delight in the word of God. I want to delight in the presence of God. I want to delight in the holiness of God. I want to delight in you, Lord. I want to find what makes me feel joy, what makes me feel happiness, is that you are being lifted up and your word is being uh, declared and people are coming to you. I want those things to be my chief concern. Not what I'll wear or what I'll eat or where my next meal will come from but I want my delight to be in you. Now, if you're honest tonight, you know that you don't have that mastered in every part of your life. So when you pray, get real with God and say, God, you're first in my life here, but you're not first in my life here. Go ahead and admit it. See, he already knows it. He already knows it. Say, Lord, I give you this area of my life. It might have to do with with things, with materialism, with money. It might have to do with position or power or influence on your job or or something like that. I don't know what it is, but, but give that thing to the Lord and let Him nail it to the cross. Lord, I want to be like you. I want to find joy in what you find joy in. I want to, I want to delight in what you delight in. Lord, I, I want, if the kingdom is first with you, and we know it is, then I want it to be first with me. And God, if I'll do that, I won't have to be worried and take thought of, the Bible says, what I'll wear and what I'll eat and the things of the, this life that weigh me down so often. Draw me nearer to you, God. Draw me nearer to you. Make me who you want me to be. And I know you want me to be like you. I know you do. Brother Thomas, you got something for us? Come on. Lord, I want to love you Pentecostal Church. 
The Pine Level Pentecostal and His Church is located on 112 East Blanche Street. We welcome you to come and join us in worship every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m., every Sunday night at 6 p.m., and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget, if you can't join us in person, you can always join us via the internet through the website at pinelevelphc.org. You can watch our services, check out upcoming events, and lots more there at the website. You can also check out our app through Google Play or iOS App Store. Download the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church app. It's free to use, free to download. You can watch our services live or on demand. Check out other things about the church, even donate to the church through the link. If you have a Facebook account, go to facebook.com forward slash Pine Level PHC. Get notifications when we go live. Check out pictures and other upcoming events about our church. Just like our Facebook page, that's all you have to do. Also, YouTube is available for the YouTube subscribers. Search YouTube for Pine Level PH Church. Subscribe to our channel, get notifications when we go live, and you watch our services live or on demand. Don't forget, if you can't watch us, maybe you want to listen. Search for our podcast through your favorite podcast provider and listen to the services anywhere in the world. Don't forget about our new radio station. Go to our website or app for the quick link. And you can also just simply type in pinelevelphc.org forward slash radio. Radio stations playing good gospel music 24-7. Also, lots other programming is available for your enjoyment. So if you want to check that out, do so anytime and listen with friends around the world. For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, I'm Joey Perry. We hope to see you soon here at the Pine Pine Level, Pentecostal Witness Church.